0: The technical area the football manager podcast brought to you by me your host gaffer Gramo, once again it's been an awful long time since i spoke to you so i hope you're doing well you we had a lovely christmas a lovely kind of time off happy new year and now that we're, we're into february now that, uh, your football manager save hasn't been too disrupted by all the breaks maybe you've started somewhere new or anything like that, whatever it is, I hope it's all going well, let us know how you're getting on I suppose, with the Bundesliga taking a two month break, and my love of German football, I thought I might try and do the same but no, week on week, it just kept saying, I must record, I must record, I must record I've had notes done and everything for a long time, but just, it's been a little bit hectic, personally, for the last couple of weeks, so Apologies for the long delay, and I'm delighted to be sitting back here now and being able to talk to you. In terms of my own football manager adventures, um, work situation has kind of changed, which means time and energy in the evenings. I'm absolutely zonked. I'm struggling to get through seasons. I'm struggling just to sit down and to keep focused and just enjoy what it is that I want to do from from the Arendelle save. I'm not giving up on it. Absolutely not. No, I love it too much to give up on it. Um, I just might need need to a little bit of a rethink, I suppose, on how I do approach the game, uh, how I approach it. And I suppose I'd better say it now before I, you know, out myself on Twitter or anything like that. But um, I just want to let SI and Football Manager Towers know that congratulations, you have won. You've beaten me. Last week, I signed up for an Apple Arcade subscription and downloaded Football Manager Touch 23 against the voice in my head saying, no, don't do it. It's not worth it just because in the evenings, I just want to play a little bit of Football Manager and sometimes opening up that laptop and getting into the deep full version. has just been too much. And FM 21 Touch was just not doing it for me. It just was missing those little bells, those little whistles. And I just had to give in. I just had to give in. And as much as I hate myself for it and as much as I hate going back on the words that I said in podcasts not that long ago where I said I would absolutely not be doing it. This model, absolutely not. Here I am. They broke me. They won. So I haven't started a save because I haven't a clue who to manage. Part of me wants to take over at Liverpool but I'd have to want to sim on a year after the catastrophe of this season. Another part of me wants to ignore Liverpool and find some other happiness elsewhere from some other club and some other nation. Uh, I haven't any idea where I'd love to manage even a club in the Champions League just to see that whole little Champions League bells and whistles little features. just, Just to say I've done it because there's plenty of little features in Football Manager I've missed out on in the past couple of years. And trophy lifts and celebrations, to you know, other small bits and pieces that come with being a success in game. So I'd love to get myself a bit more, you know, experienced in some of these new features, even just like that, just for a little bit of fun. This week, our focus, as you can see from the top of the episode, the name uh, when you downloaded this, it was all about recruitment and player recruitment and you know, the ways in which we're going to be going about it. That's that's what we're really talking about here. Because I suppose this year, for all of us, our way of going about signing new players has been changed dramatically, really, for the first time in several years. So in typical football manager fashion, we see gradual changes slowly appearing and then becoming fully fleshed features uh, after a couple of years. So, obviously, agents became involved in the games a couple of years ago. We were able to ask agents for, you know, a little bit of an idea of what it is that, you know, would, would take to convince or get this player to come to our club understand the demands, everything before we go into negotiations with them. So, the agents suddenly became these real people. And now, we obviously, we see that when we go into recruitment focus, when we go into the scouting meetings, recruitment meetings, all of this, we now see how much of a role agents are playing in you know potential new signs potential new recruits even beyond what we've had before where you know agents are recommending their own players to come in and you know I'm available you can come and sign me that's kind of all gone now in the old sense and it's all being brought together into this new recruitment meeting recruitment focuses section and there's plenty of great posts out there There's plenty of great videos on it there, plenty of, you know, great content just create all about the recruitment focus. So I'm not going to be spending an awful lot of time talking about player recruitment in terms of the the recruitment meetings, all of this stuff, because there's fantastic content out there. I'll link some of it down below, some of the pieces I've enjoyed reading since um, FM23 came out, uh, just in case you've missed them and just really you know it's worth taking the time just to see how other people do things might just it just puts thoughts in your head for little changes you can make to how, how you approach it because at the end of the day that's the icy content out there it's not um to be seen for people bumming and bragging it's not seen to be people out there begging and demanding what it is that you want from them i suppose you read a blog you watch a video you just learn from what people do that is the best way to do it And I hope listening to this podcast can be added to your list of how I've approached recruitment now that I've finished my first season with Arundel, how I'm going to be approaching it now as as I go forward. I've written a good few pieces lately. Um, I'm writing for Dictate the Game now, uh, occasionally as well. So, you know, um, if you want to check my stuff out there, I just recently spoke about what it's like managing in lower leagues with a little section there on transfers. So if you want to go and have a look at that as well, that might, um, you know, give you an extra little bit of insight into how i'm doing things away from you know trying to remember what i said on this podcast but in terms of recruitment we've all been there we've all sat down done the player search and looked for contracts expiring within six months and you know i used to do it at the start of every season whose contracts expiring in a year shortlist them, put a note there for the 31st of December every year so I'd remember right I'm going to be trying to, I have to try and sign him I have to try and sign him and I try and convince all these players to sign a pre-contract agreements that was my way used to be my way of signing players as best as possible looking at those free agents trying to bring them in six months early and we've all been there we've all done it in recent years of course you know things have changed a little bit obviously like we, we understand now that um, sometimes a free agent isn't the best signing, and I suppose if you're going at the squad building, it might not always be the best idea to be looking at all these expensive, rich stars who want to come in on free day, free transfers. That often better value can be found in the market elsewhere. But nonetheless, the way the recruitment has changed, I suppose, a lot recently has been a data-driven approach. I suppose many of us are familiar with that scene in Moneyball where Brad Pitt, Billy Bean, goes into. scouting meeting and they sit down and they're going through a list of players and he has Jonah Hill standing in the background there the brains of the operation on this new data-driven approach moneyball and all of these players that are being suggested have failed the eye test the scouts don't think very highly of them but yet they get on base they get on base they get on base that seems to be the message that he just keeps driving home the stats are showing that this guy is a valued asset just in terms of what he can do. It's very simple, very understated, and this is what he can do. And for many of us, you know, we've all been inspired, whether some people have gone for the rudimentary approach to Moneyball, which is uh, sign, cheaply, sell expensive. Looking at, you know, players' data, looking at the money that's involved in, you know, bringing these players in, is it worth it? Is there anybody else out there better who or who is performing at an equivalent level? Attributes are nearly becoming a thing of the past in media FM discussions because it's all about these stats, all about data, despite the flawed nature of data in the game, the way it's collected, the disparities between different leagues and the data that's collected between them. So for many, using data, it's for a lot of us it's an unknown. It's totally different than to how we've approached football management in previous years. And the fact that it's now reflecting what's going on in real life, I suppose, brings a new challenge to how we all try and educate ourselves and how we try and bring it into our saves and make it relevant, and make it real. You know, I have to say playing with the stars in the kind of attributeless way I am this year, I actually find it rather refreshing that I'm not driven by the numbers. and. Just the other evening, I decided just to have a little look and see. You know, I want to sign a new left wing back. And to sign a new left wing back, what I did was, in a way, but we've done before, I've gone into the current player I have set, Rasmus lynn Christiansen. I click on him, I go into his profile, I scroll, across, I go move across the top to where it says uh, comparison and find similar players. And what happens is it takes you to the player search screen and it has kind of a set of filters. Set up and it shows you the attribute numbers. And I have to say, I was shocked at the numbers that I was seeing because of not well, they were quite high, they were quite decent, of course. But I would love if that option was set there in a future edition to find similar players, and instead of looking at the attributes, you look at the data. If it's an option rather than a default preset, but to give the option there of I want to find similar players to perform without having to go through the rigmarole of you know creating the filters manually writing the data down in one place and transferring it into game in another or taking it out to an excel spreadsheet and finding it that way but still recruitment has completely changed the football match how we embrace how we've done it and it's been a slow and you know steady change from like i said agents can become an entities outside of negotiations between having these private chats them to now like that having these recruitment meetings set where No longer is the pen and paper needed, but instead that we can now begin to look at recruitment in a closed setting where what we're looking for is saved in one place and we can build lists there away even from the short lists that we would have traditionally kept and saved. A controversial book now, I suppose, looking back, but one as a Liverpool fan or someone with an interest in what goes on behind the scenes of the club. In Pep Linder's book, Intensity, there's a lot spoken about in terms of recruitment so obviously one criticism that's been leveled at Liverpool in recent times has been the fact that the club has not recruited well from a period of strength a period of success and it's something that has been said for for many years and obviously you can see behind the scenes when reading this book the loyalty that's developed with the players there but of course as we all know if you stand still at any point in time you are in the most dangerous and vulnerable position you can be in. And you could argue that that's something that Liverpool have been in for recent years, that they haven't been moving forward as quickly as possible or as quickly as needed and as such are paying the price this year. But in the book intensity, Pep Linders makes the point that you, what you need to do as a club is sign the best, keep the best and develop the best. And I suppose... That's something really simple, it's something very obvious. It doesn't take really a genius to figure out, especially those of us who play football manager in a way of we want to sign our best players, we want to keep the best players, and we want to develop the best youth players. It's nothing different. And every club in the world looks at football management in the same way as club development in the same way. But I suppose when you look at the likes of Alex Ferguson and how he constantly regenerated that Manchester United squad to win the 13 league titles that they did, in 23 years or 20 years if you look at how even I suppose you look at the American sports where teams are often just built and developed for one season one after the other if you are kind of building a project you might have some players who stick around a bit longer but being ruthless and letting them go, players who fans have attachments to who players are are attached to like off the pitch, you look at You know, that you just need to be cold in so many ways and know when a player is beginning to look into the client and move them on. We haven't seen the best of Sadio Mane at Bayern Munich. So when we look at how he'll play for Bayern compared to what we've seen from Liverpool, we'll know if Liverpool made the right decision there in terms of, you know, willing to let go of one of the better players in the squad. We have to wait and see. But if you look at so many other sports and so many examples in football itself, of clubs being ruthless and letting players go But knowing that they're just slightly over that curve Slightly past that peak You know, that gut-wrenching decision can often be made A little bit more easy and it can be reasoned to people When it comes to recruitment Pep Linder says that a team with the character is the strongest What you need to do there is identify the qualities We've seen many football manager players do this in the past F.M. Grasshopper's fever of a few years ago You know, signing players with an identity, players with attributes, strengths in certain areas, and then the rest can follow suit. Building a squad based on a certain identity, and that's through development, and that's through recruitment. So now with these recruitment focuses, we can actually do that very, very easily. But the thing is, of course, you have to know yourself. You have to decide yourself. What are the qualities? What is the character of your team? And how is that going to look? You know, are you going to place emphasis on these certain mental attributes or these or what technical attributes or, you know, even physical attributes as well? So you have to know yourself what are the qualities you want collectively through that team. You are this identity you're building a team around. Of course, many of us get involved in discussions about, the, you know, trying to improve our youth facilities, trying to improve youth coaching, junior coaching, youth, uh, all of this stuff. And again. As Pep Linder says in that book, having an investment in academy can produce game-changers. But investing in game-changing players as well is also something that a club and a squad needs. You need second-line players who will take the space for talents. You know, you look at those players that Liverpool to bring in off the bench in, in years gone past. And if they started, sure, you were going to say, no, oh, the team's a little bit weaker. But there were players you still knew had qualities. Divock Origi, and Shaqiri, for example. You know, look at where we where that, where Liverpool have gone since then. Look at the difference, look at the depth. It's not there. So, second-line players are really needed. So, being careful with the ones you bring in. You know, knowing the ones who can take the space, who can do perform at a, an absolutely acceptable standard on the pitch but have a place in your squad, not a place in your team. Buying premium players and then using the academy to develop game changers can really then also be another stepping point forward. We all know the way football's going. There is this increased emphasis on having a certain number of players in your registration who are homegrown, so that's either developed at the club or developed within that nation. So if you're able to buy the best players or if you need to buy players from other clubs, their youth academies, whatever it is, and, and use and then develop them through to become your game changers, you're suddenly onto a winner. It's something we've seen so many times a football manager. You know, so many saves that have been lit up by you know people who set very specific rules of I can only sign players under 18. I can't sign players for the first team. I have to develop them. I'm gonna do no signings, I'm gonna put a transfer embargo place, whatever it is. But buying a premium player and then having the academy to then, you know, be the second line players having them in place, that is also something that we've seen so many clubs now doing, being so economical, being so sustainable in the approaches in which they're taking. Because if you're buying a premium player, you have someone you can drop straight in the team. And then if you could develop someone to come in behind them, all of a sudden, you've got that game-changer there, ready to replace what you have. I'd hope that you look at Liverpool, as a Liverpool fan, you see Thiago there, Liverpool ball premium and who are the academy game changers who are coming in behind you got Curtis Jones who okay regrettably this season we haven't seen an awful lot of and you have Harvey Elliott again a player who's been in midfield and up on the front line you don't know where he's going to sit in the game with Fabio Carvalho but still these young players develop them, mould them and have them ready to take over from these game changing talents these premium elite players in your squad Relevant of course to the standard you're relative to that standard you're at. But if you can have a, a a premium player there and when it's time to move them on, you've already shaped that young player to come in. You can then look and bring in premium players elsewhere and begin the process again, keeping this going all the way through your squad, and all of a sudden you're looking at some pretty picture in terms of your recruitment. So taking the learnings from what Pep Linders has there, I looked at my own squad with Arundel, and obviously look I'm a semi-professional club but now I've gotten to the stage now where after winning, getting promotion in my first season I'm in a place now where I have only got two players on amateur contracts in my squad of 23 but still I need to improve because the players I have, we won our you know third tier at a canter, the group we were in, we won it by 15 points we beat uh, a team in the division we're now moving into who stayed up in the cup you know with with these players so again there's another sign of promise there but of course you do need to try and kick on you do need to find players to bring in and you know in the next episode i'm going to be talking a little bit more about clubs who get promoted up it's a manager in focus episode it's a 10 it's every 10 we do it and we're going to be talking about a, about a manager who has you know taken a side that's won promotion won the division below and being absolutely ruthless and gutting the squad to try and get players in of a certain identity and a certain, um, you know, age profile. All of this and shaping them into a way. So we will talk a little bit more about that next week. So again, I've taken from what I've prepared for him on, in in the podcast, on what I've you know read from Pep Linders, all of these other football manager blogs, the ones I've listed below, and I'm now looking at how I'm going to be approaching my youth development. Save that I'd hoped to have at Arendelle, but also one that you know doesn't jeopardise the status rap because now that we've gotten promoted, my board have gotten a little bit more ambitious. My club vision suddenly has a lot of things there that weren't there last year, and I've been involved in arguments with the club in terms of accepting and negotiating that current vision because there are some things there I was not happy about. But nonetheless, it all begins for me with the dynamics and the eye test. This is where my scouts, my my recruitment process begins. First thing I look at is dynamics and the eye test. So this year, like I said, I'm here using stars over numbers in ter- on the attribute screens. And what that's allowing me to do is w- look at a player and say, what are your strengths? I don't want... Obviously, we, we know in Football Manager, strengths can be developed. Attributes fl- change over again. They can fluctuate. They can rise all of this so instead of kind of looking at those as rigid numbers all oh, i'm not saying him as passing is only 12 or whatever it is i now look and say right his passing is this color star it's a white star right it's not strange but if i look at green his marking is quite good his heading is quite good whatever i can build an idea of a pro player's profile far quicker than getting bogged down in the numbers so if i can have a look at this player that I'm potentially interested in signing and just say where his strengths are, I can say, right, okay, this is the type of player, this is the type of role I'd have in mind for him. Now what happens? Well, this is where my scouts kind of come in useful. with the one scout that I have. My scout will go away and find out the current and potential abilities of this player. Where do we think he is right now? And how high do we think we'll, he'll go? Now, of course, we all know potential ability is something that's very subjective. It can rise and it can fall. Players might not achieve it. Players might be late developers who so might give up on them quicker. Players might be early bloomers and then fizzle out. Recruitment is not a an exact science. In terms of player recruitment, it's educated guesswork. But the thing is, if we take the necessary steps, we can try and lessen the risk of failure by doing all of this due diligence. So if I can see where the player's strengths are, and then my scout comes back and says, look, this guy's currently a three-star potential, his uh, current ability, his potential ability is three and a half, his potential ability is four. That's great. But there's that little line underneath is what I pay a lot of attention to. Currently playing at what level, potential to be a, uh, you know, whatever league it is, star, an average good, whatever ability it is in that league. Because now that I've been promoted, I want players who are now at that league's standard. Minimum. Good. Almost league and standard. That's what I'm looking for now. And if they're not going to be a current or potentiality at that. And it's going to be below that. I don't even consider them anymore. Because so I'm now looking at players who are good at this standard. Potentially leading if I could so much as convince them. But of course when you get promoted to the second tier. There's teams relegated from the top tier. I'm going to be competing with. And like I've already lost out on a couple of potential signings just because financially I've just been gazumped by offers of teams in the elites here in the top league or the league. And so right now I need to make sure that any player I have coming in my scouts, have given the go-ahead or given me the insight into knowing what level they are currently and potentially at in terms of the ability of the players in that division. When i set up my tactics with Arendelle, that tactic you might have seen shared around on my socials anyway, or especially in the blogs as well. It's been a 3 4 3, 3 5 2 hybrid type system. Every player role I, when I made the tactic on the first day, was vanilla, as in wing back, central defender, central defender, center midfielder, defensive midfielder, attacking midfielder. And then for the forwards, I think I had like advanced and deep line, whatever it was. Any player who plays in those positions or has the abilities to the strengths to play in those uh, ability in those positions i then looked at their role and i said right and i just went through every player individually and said right when you play in this position your personalized role is this so if i knew what their personalized role was i can then have a team where i just slot players in and they bring their own qualities rather than me restricting them based on my rigid vision of a tactic I suppose this is something that I learned, say, looking at um, Carlo Ancelotti in some ways, a manager who has a style, a philosophy, but is able to get players playing in their kind of best positions, best roles, playing to their strengths collectively, and then adjusting game on game to see, right, in this match we're going to need, you know, players who play this kind of role in order to exploit X, Y, or Z, and that's the way I try and do things. If I put in in the case of the last season, Sander Martinusen, he's a ball-winning midfielder. So if I play him in one of my two central midfield roles, it's because I feel I'm going to need this you know, type of role, this more aggressive role. Where if I play Redon Pallana, he's a deep line playmaker. So I'm looking to have someone a bit more creative deep in the pitch. It's little things like this, questions you've got to ask yourself. When you are selecting your team, you look at the opposition reports, I know where players are going to play, which players are going to play based on what I see I'm going to need in that game. What are the opposition's uh, formation? What are the roles they play? Kind of What way do they score goals? You look at that and you see, right, these are the players I'm going to need in this match. So when I'm potentially signing a player, that's something I need to know. I need to know what role is he going to play? You know, what roles can he play? What positions can he play? And is he going to make a change to how my my squad shapes up? And then, of course, the most important thing, something I've like put so much weight and emphasis on uh, this year in football manager and recruitment, is dynamics. And how this player will fit in with the group. At the end of my first season with Arendelle, 90% of my squad, I suppose it was 9% it would be, 5, so let's say 75%, 75% of my squad, bit of a difference there, but anyway, 75% of my squad are all in the core social group, and I have five guys in a second core group, I think it was, or secondary social group, whatever it was, so I had two social groups, and I had a clear hierarchy emerge where they had no team leaders at the beginning of the season, and my vice-captain, Suna Killerich, he was done, he stood up and became, he's now a team leader. So when I look at signing a new player now, I'm looking at that report, that little bit on the scout report saying this player will fit in with the core social group, this player will struggle to fit in, this player could come in as a team leader, whatever it is. Because I don't want someone coming in who doesn't fit in. I want a collective unit away from the pitch. I want that teamwork to be built up easier, the cohesion to happen more naturally. I want all of that. And if I don't recruit the right players, I'm going to make that challenge much more difficult for me and my new signing. So that's something that I'm trying to avoid best by doing this extra step of due diligence that's very easily ignored and overlooked. But something I feel has to be done. And then once I've kind of gone through all of this kind of human side of recruitment, I then look at the stats. Now, with stats, I love my stats to be role-dependent. Build up filters of stats based on players, you know, the roles they're going to play in the team. So if I'm looking at my left wing-back, for example, which I was looking to sign a new left wing-back, I look at my current left wing-back and say, right, he got 14 assists. His 14 assists majority were crosses. So I'm looking for someone who has a high cross completion rate. I'm looking for someone who has you know, a good pass completion rate, chances created. I'm looking at all of these areas, interceptions, you know, kind of little areas like this that I know a wing-back is going to need and the wing-back of my team will be asked to do. And they are the stats that I'm going to use as a baseline. I'll use appearances to try and kind of wean out anyone who might have only played five, six, seven games because their numbers are going to be skewed compared to the players who played Twenty-five games or thirty games, so I need to know clearly. Look, these players are the ones who played well over the course of the season. This is what they did, and then I put the emphasis down on the per ninety stats again to try and gain a better insight into what they're like in a game situation. How often, I many? Forty. For my example, my left wing back at fourteen assists in twenty-four games. So I'm going to be looking for someone who has you know, in the assist rate of, say, 0.25 to 0.5 a game. I hope that when I bring them to my team, that number might increase if their cross-completion rate is so high and so on. So I'm setting an idea based on what I already have. I'm using my players as the baseline. Like I said, unfortunately, I can't go in when I find similar players based on stats as easily as I can based on attributes. And I think this is a change we may see in future editions of Football Manager. Could be sooner rather than later. But nonetheless, it's something that I've had to manually look through here at this point. So the thing is, if you want to you know, take that same approach as me, you just have to, even with a pen and paper, post a note, whatever it is, your phone, whatever it is you have to hand, decide what is important for you in each position stat-wise for you to try and recruit and find and identify potential targets what is it you need a new player to be able to do and what are you looking for for them the thing is if you're looking for a player a potential you're going to set your age at a maximum when you're creating your filter and then when you are looking at the you know stats drop them you know, have lower a lower ceiling. Have a lower baseline than what's already there. Where if you're looking for something to come in and do it in the now, set the bar higher. But like that, just be flexible. Don't be rigid in terms of the numbers. Be willing to understand that, look, if I need a potential new signing, what is it that I'm going to be looking for from them? And understand that if they've played first team appearances their numbers might be a bit lower than if it was when it was at youth team football but these numbers if you believe in this player based on the dynamics based on the eye tests based on the stats that they have the potential to come in and make a difference then understand that the threshold just needs to be that little bit lower and at the end of the day without that context numbers are useless and that's Really, what has to be done? You really have to understand that without context, numbers are useless. So, my squad, i got three strikers and a shadow striker, a guy who plays shadow striker. So, I kind of see him as the fourth striker rather than an extra centre in the fielder. I've gone and signed an 18 year old forward who was released by an elite Syrian club i think he was and looking at his stats they are much lower than the players in my squad but he only played four times his four appearances were one start and three substitute appearances he's played if he's playing at a higher standard if he's playing you know three substitute appearances he's not clocking up an awful lot of minutes like these four appearances are not 360 minutes of football there could be 90 minutes of football between those four appearances combined. So just by being a bit more flexible, a bit more you know, understanding of why his numbers are lower, I can then begin to build up a better idea. And I went and looked at his profile, and I looked at form. You can look at all of this stuff to try and see where what competitions he's playing in. And you see, look, he's performed well at youth level. He you performed well at reserve level. Then all of a sudden it might be a little bit easier to make a decision than looking at professionals for a 17, 18 year old. So just be that bit more flexible with stats because, like that, if you if I was to see him look across and not look into that little bit of extra depth, I would have disregarded this player completely and not signed him. But only for the scout report came back and gave him an A minus. That's where my what uh, kind of my attention pricked up that extra little bit that I felt oh. There's something here i just need to look and just be willing to take that little bit of extra time if if you want to try and sign players in that kind of a mold but of course when it comes to dynamics and the eye test and it comes to stats you've done all this due diligence of course you just as well you need to know what the availability of this player is like so like i said having these agent interactions now i actually do them before i scout a player I, in the same, I'll go in to a player's profile that I'm potentially interested in signing because the stats may have shown up he was good or a scout may have recommended him. I'll go in, and before I press scout until full knowledge, before I deep dive into the stats, really, I will go to a, the agent and I'll say, look, I'm interested, what are the demands? And if it says the player is not interested, I don't go scout until full knowledge. Because if this player is not interested, I'm not going to bother going there. I know there's ways and means of making a player become interested in of your club. But if a player is not interested in signing for me, that's grand. I'll walk away. I'll find someone else. Because this is part of my process. Part of my process is knowing if this player would want to play for me, will want to play for my club. And if they don't want to play for me or play for my club, that's fine. Go play for someone else. There are plenty of other good, talented players who I can get who want to be here who want to wear this jersey, who want to play for me, and I'll work with those over you who have had to convince to be here. And once I understand from the agent that there's an interest there, and if this player is realistic and viable, that's when Dynamics and the eye test really step up. That's when the stats, you know, search, that really steps up. I intensify it once I know this player is potentially, you know, a move with this player discussions play player will happen much easier but of course before again you waste too much time understand as well and know if it's financially everything is looking good is this player going to match in with the vision that your club want so for example if your player club, the board expected to sign players under a certain age are you still going to meet this target or is this player going to jeopardize because you've already signed three 30 year olds So just be aware as well Prioritise there If you are not going to follow the vision If you are going to go to Pep Approach and buy a premium player Before you look for a younger player To to mould Prioritise where that premium player is That rule breaker is And then look at the other players you can potentially bring in And then of course league rules It's so easy to forget League rules when signing a player So no is this player homegrown in your nation? Is this player homegrown in your, cl- your club? Just to make sure that you can meet the bare minimum requirements, and you're not left leaving this player out or leaving another player out who you'd ra- you'd rather have available just because of a little oversight. So, just again, a small little detail on that. You know, due diligence that you do before you sign a player is so vital because, uh, you know. It might not be worth bringing in a player who, you know, again, upsets the club. You know, whether they dynamically fit in, the agent says they want to be there, they meet your current vision, but they don't follow league rules and someone else is going to miss out. Just make sure you've all your ducks in a row just before you press. the, You know, accept the final sign. Just, you know, from, from prior experience, I'll share that one with you. Now, the recruitment focus, I do need to give that a little bit because it's a perfect place to bring all of this together. So I'm the old-fashioned way of sitting down with a pencil, a pen, a notebook and writing down the players that I'm potentially interested in signing, you know, kind of doing little depth charts across, you know, a two-page spread of players that play in certain positions. And I can see, right, this is my starting eleven. These are the backup players in each role, each uh, position. And this is my youth prospect. Are there any gaps? And then i keep that note that page in that notebook sacred for a season and i try and fill it in as the year goes on as i need fit sometimes it's retraining players sometimes it's recruitment but now with the recruitment focus we have all this built into the game it's all on screen it's all safe there right look make sure you're cloud safe because obviously you spill tea in your notebook that's ruined it's built tea on a laptop that's potentially ruined as well so cloud safe brilliant. And the fact that with recruitment focus in one place, we can set very specific assignments for our scouts and analysts. It means that we can go through the dynamics, eye test, and stats. Little areas that I, I focus. I can do it all now in one place. Now I am struggling to get used to recruitment, uh, the recruitment planner, the recruitment focus, the squad planner. I am struggling a little bit just to try and cohesively, you know, bring that into my routine in football manager, and I suppose. The biggest challenge for me is I'm a semi-professional club. Half my squad's contract expired at the end of 2022. I renewed them all. So now I have half expiring in 2023 and then some in 2024. So I'm constantly fighting massive changeover because of the level I'm at. But if I was an elite club, top division in whatever nation I'm playing in, I could expect to be a little bit more settled with my squad. So the recruitment focus and the squad planner be a much more useful tool to me in that way. But of course, the opposite argument said, well, look, if I have a recruitment focus and I have a squad planner in place that if half my team leave, if half our players are already earmarked, yeah, and that's something I'm going to try and do to try and stabilise my position in the middle tier. Because again, like that, they expect a huge, expect more turnover at the end of this year than happened at the end of the, the season one, the promotion season. But there was a great piece, it happened to be just released yesterday, Saturday, just, um by FM Stag and Dan Gear over on the byline talking about how to use the recruitment focus, the squad planner, really, really well. And there's a few great little points I just want to share with you if you haven't read it. Um again, it's linked below if you do want to go and read it. But it one of the one of the best pieces of advice I've seen is if you've got scouts who have got a high adaptability um attribute. Send it to countries where you have a little knowledge because they'll adapt quicker. They'll settle in quicker and all of a sudden you have a way of building up knowledge of a new country with people who are set up, ready to do it. When you're building up your recruitment focus, be less restrictive with the criteria because the thing is, just like a fisherman's net, catch loads and then if you need to like that, release, remove players from the list grand just sift through the data shift through the results yourself and see. okay nope he doesn't fit nope he doesn't fit you know you know think for it as that tinder style approach I suppose they brought into those little scouting cards back in your inbox there in fm21 and 22 there's the option now to save custom focuses and that is something that i'd recommend and they both recommended because it means you'll have to go setting things up over and over again And I'm sure there's people out there in the community who've got custom recruitment focuses saved and available for download if you search in the right places. But just please don't go pestering people for them. Because I have seen that. I've been subjected to it a lot myself as well. Where I've wanted people looking for um, tactics off me, shortlists, all this stuff. And I've just been like... To be honest, I've ignored the messages. And it's just because I feel... Like that it, it's a very aggressive approach just you know a bit of manners bit of politeness if people make stuff available great and if they don't learn from how they do things but look i'll talk to you guys i know a lot of you here that doesn't apply to so sorry for venting at you but that but still there's custom focuses set it find something that suits you like i said you know identify the qualities identify the character of your team and then kind of go and build from there and finally the one thing i kind of think is great is that you can do set a recruitment focus for players uh, based on a current tactic if you have a tactic in slot three that you are training in the background and intend to use in you know a period of time, you can you know recruit players to fill in positions that you know are potentially a weakness in that new tactic potentially a role that's a weakness something you want to bring into that squad you might want to have a trek or a tease to play the 10. Suddenly you have this option of recruiting for this tactic, recruiting for this role, and all of a sudden, you know, you you've got a little bit of an edge than you would have had in FM twenty two, even. So, you know, that is certainly something worth considering. If you have a third tactic in development, a second tactic in development, go into your recruitment focus, go into your squad planner, um, and say, look, I want to scale players to play this role to play in this formation where do I look because all of a sudden you know suddenly your job could be made an awful lot easier the thing with recruitment is there's like I said there's no one way of doing it there's no 100% certainty nothing is ever right questions will always be asked about signings by people out there but if you have the belief and you have the humility to know I've got to. I'm going to take a chance at this player, and if it comes off, great. And if it doesn't, that's fine. It's not an exact science. None of us who share content on Football football Manager about recruitment, we're not guaranteed to get it nailed on right 100% of the time. But what we're sharing with you is, it's giving you the tips, the advice, anything we can, you know, hope that's helped us to help you make things a little bit easier. And that's, you know, this is the way I'm approaching recruitment now. I'm still not there, I'm still not right I'm struggling with the squad planner so I'm learning and trying to make changes and I hope I can share them with you over the course of you know, the rest of this version of the game and if you have any tips or advice, feel free to send them in, feel free to tweet them in and we will retweet them off from the technical areas Twitter account absolutely no problem at all now, just before then I do finish up, I want to say thank you very much for listening for sticking with the, the pod for, you know not giving out too much that I, I i disappeared for for two months off the face of the earth from recording but um i haven't forgotten about the giveaway i haven't noted down the notebook i've already got the, the stuff organized i just don't know how to do this giveaway do i do that the usual like like and retweet and follow or do you have some sort of you know something a little bit different either but look we'll um we'll get all that stuff shared but look thank you again so much for listening. Enjoy whatever it is that you do and your football manager save over the next week whether it's just even if it's just consuming content and reading if it's just thinking with a notebook and pen or if it's spending every waking moment glued to that screen whatever it is enjoy it take care stay safe I've been Gaffer Graham and I'll talk to you again next week bye now